I told CJ, I said, you know, it's funny because the money disappears almost as quickly as it comes in, um, pretty much all across the board. You know, now that we have three kids, you know, it's like you got to pay your mortgage, you got to pay, you know, <laughs> school tuition, you got to pay this. So it's like, all right, I got paid. I get paid once a month. And pretty much the minute the money comes in, it all pretty much just goes right back out. And it's like, all right, now time to go back to work. Let's make some more. You know, mm -hmm. it's just so it's just so much going on. It's just it just goes where it needs to go. And that's just crazy. Do you sometimes feel that way with your money? Today, Allison and CJ share the finances of being a physician. Welcome to the Couple Money Podcast, the show where we share stories and advice on building up your marriage and wealth together. I'm Elle Martinez. Support for this podcast comes from Jumpstart Your Marriage and Your Money Masterclass. This course is designed to help you two get on the same page with money, dump your debt faster, and get you on the path to financial freedom. Sign up for the class today and get lifetime access. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash jumpstart. Hey, I hope this week is treating you right. So after listening to Allison describe how she feels about their finances and then finding out she's a physician, were you a bit surprised? I have to be honest, a few years ago when we were like trying to dig out of debt, I thought things would be so much easier if we had a healthy income. And yes, having a certain amount does make a big difference, but that's only part of the equation. It's how you spend it that really matters. Are you saving, paying down debt? What are you doing with your finances as a whole? So in today's episode, we're going to hear from Allison and CJ on how they handle their finances. CJ is the creator of Dad's Married to Doctors, and Allison is an ER physician. But this episode is going to be a little different because I have a guest host. My buddy Ryan Inman from Physician Wealth Services is going to be interviewing them for two very important reasons. One, this week I'm going out of town and spending time with my family. As you know, I do believe finances are important, but only in regards to how it can help you guys take care of your big goals together. One of our goals this year is to take family trips, reset, recharge every so often. So that's what I'm going to do. But I've also invited Ryan because he is the expert, not only as a financial planner in a professional sense, but he's married to a physician. And so he has intimate knowledge of the unique challenges that come in that situation. But in general, with those couples that are earning high income, they typically have some struggles, high debt. So as you're listening to this episode, see how this fits your situation. Are there ways that you can handle your finances in a responsible way? Yes, pay down the debt, grow your net worth, but then also balance it out with living life. Sometimes when you go full throttle on paying off the debt, you can lose focus and it gets unsustainable. You're discouraged and you quit. And I don't want that to happen to you. So how do you find that balance? How do you take care of your finances now, prepare for the future while still having some fun? I hope you enjoyed this episode. Curtis and Allison, thank you so much for, for joining me on the show today. 
No problem. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Curtis uh, is a stay-at-home dad, right? Right, a work-from-home dad, part-time. Perfect. And Allison is a ER physician. And I'd like, Allison, if you could just... Can you tell us uh, by kind of starting off, you know, what's the process of becoming a doctor? Like, what was your journey? Um, so I'll say this. It was pretty intense. Um, I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill for both undergrad and medical school. Um, and I always say it's funny back in undergrad, you know, I had classes from nine to noon. You know, I was like, man, that was a tough day. I'm gonna go take a nap. And it was pretty great. But medical school, it's like a job. You're in class from eight to four plus hours of studying afterwards. My classmates were like, oh, I'm in bed at nine o'clock. And I'm like, really? I'm, I'm only in my 20s. I don't go to bed that early. <laughs> so it was it was pretty intense to be in a medical school. Um, residency was even more so, you know, 70 to 80 hour work weeks. I um I was an ER resident, so we worked shifts, but I always had to dictate afterwards. So I walked around on the phone all the time. I think I looked like I was some important business person. My daughter used to walk around on her toy phone saying, this is Dr. Allison Webster dictating ED chart on this person. That's so amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. I was like, yeah, maybe I'm dictating at home too much. Um, and now that I've graduated or, you know, completed residency as an attending, you know, the hours are definitely much better. But, you know, we now have three kids instead of the one that I had in residency. So I've traded hours at work for probably just more intense hours at home. I mean, the workload is still pretty busy. I'm still, you know, once I get to work, people say, don't you get a chance to just sit and relax? You work nights. And I'm like, no, people are always there in the ER. It's always busy from the minute you get there till the minute you leave. So... So, I mean, that's the process. I mean, it's just a lot of time put in, lots of hours put in, you know, until I guess you get home. So <laughs> Yeah, and, and most people don't know maybe what a lot of hours would look like. What is a typical shift for you, um, just to kind of put it in perspective for everyone who might not be familiar? So, I mean, like I said, I work in the emergency room. So, I mean, we take all comers, we see all comers. So, the minute I come in, you know... I have two, three, four patients waiting to be seen. And pretty much it's going in, seeing patients, ordering tests, you know, just back and forth all night long, trying to get in, talk to people, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, obviously sick people, you get procedures. So, you know, whether that's doing an intubation, doing stitches, anything like that. Um, and like I said, it's just pretty much constant all night long until seven o'clock comes and you tag your, your, um, your relief and you say, you're it, I'm gone. And that's kind of pretty much what you do. And then obviously documenting. So, you know, doing your charting and all those kinds of things. A lot of people say, you've just been sitting there. And I'm like, well, yes, because I have to actually dictate or document <laughs> what I've done with you all night long. So, mm -hmm. you know. And, and Ryan, also on the hours side, as she mentioned, when she was in residency, it was like 20, 21, 22 shifts a month. And then when she got out of residency and then took a real a full time job, it only dropped down to about 16, nine hour shifts a month. Mm -hmm. um, but those nine hour shifts are really more like 12 hour shifts. And uh, and it can fluctuate. Sometimes it was a little bit more than 16. Now that she's about five years out, it's sometimes a little bit less than than 16 shifts a month. Yeah. And that, and that's the hard part to, to realize because, you know, I go to the doctor and I, maybe not the ER, but I go to the doctor and sometimes they only have like 10 minutes for you. And you're like, what are you what are you doing the rest of the time? But it's there's such a patient load and, you know, they you can only spend so much time. So uh, I appreciate you kind of letting us into that that journey there. And, you know, Curtis, while, you know, Allison's off being this rock star doctor, um, you know, what's the other side of this been like? What's the other side of the journey? Yeah, great question, Ryan. It's um 
it was intense to use her words. It was intense on both sides, you know, seeing the the sacrifice that she's making in, in the struggle uh, with not only learning things during medical school, but also the hours that she was away. And then uh, the same thing through residency and even now as an attending. But uh, but on my side, uh, just trying to fill in the gaps. I, I tell people all the time, uh, oh, two things. I'm a connector and I'm a gap filler. Hmm. <laughs> so um, there were times, for instance, when we were in residency in upstate New York, uh, I would I would uh, take the girls to church or take them out to a social event and say, oh, yep, Allison couldn't make it. But the couple times she didn't make it, they're like, oh, you're that mythical um, uh, person, the, the, the girl's mother that we don't see all that often. Uh, and so it was definitely hard. There were times where I had to, uh, like, for instance, now I only work a few hours a week uh, part time um, while she's an attending because I need to fill in the gaps uh, here at home. Mm-hmm. But during medical school and residency, I was working full time. So I had to figure out how to fit 40 hours a week and a a full time income while also juggling one kid in medical school, two kids in residency and now three kids uh, as an attending. So it uh, it has been intense. It's 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 been a juggling act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and, and I I relate to it. And for for everyone listening, I'm I'm also married to a physician. And uh, while my wife doesn't work in in uh, the ER, um, she does pediatric pulmonology, and it's not as uh, grueling or intense. You know, there are a lot of gaps, and there's a lot of things that you do need to fill in during that time. And uh, you know, I, I appreciate you guys both. Uh, you know, let, laying it all out here for for everyone to kind of understand a little bit of the the back history. So let's kind of jump into the, the money side of it here. And Allison, you know, what is the most difficult for you, uh, w- you know, with respects to money? Um, so I told CJ, I said, you know, it's funny because the money disappears almost as quickly as it comes in, um, pretty much all across the board. You know, now that we have three kids, you know, it's like you got to pay your mortgage, you got to pay, you know, <laughs> school tuition, you got to pay this. So it's like, all right, I got paid. I get paid once a month and pretty much the minute the money comes in, it all pretty much just goes right back out. And it's like, all right, now time to go back to work. Let's make some more, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just so, it's just so much going on. It's just, it just goes where it needs to go. And that's just crazy. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because, you know, everybody naturally thinks being, uh, being a doctor, being in a, in a physician, uh, family that there's, you know, money all over the place. You're going to have the fancy cars. They would think for me that I'm going to be sitting at home eating bonbons, <laughs> you know, and so on and so forth. And that is not always the lifestyle, especially the first few years out when you have that immediate debt load to, uh, to start hitting you that you're responsible for. Yeah. You mean you're not just home eating bonbons with your feet kicked up and two nannies? <laughs> Oops. What? He, he eats bourbon balls instead. Nice. <laughs> this is true. I do have a few bourbon balls instead. <laughs> nice. I love it. So, uh, you know, Curtis, I, I'm going to kind of go back to you here with the, with the same question. And, and one thing I will kind of state before I, I want your, your answer is, um, you know, the typical debt load of a physician. So you guys don't have to tell me yours like on air, but um, I'm more than happy to share uh, our, my story a little bit. Uh, you know, my wife uh, had mostly scholarships for undergrad. She went to in-state medical school. She basically lived at home for the entire time. Um, It was a a rental property that her parents had that they basically just let her pay the taxes on it and called it a day because they've owned it uh, free and clear for a long time. She did everything that she could to make it cheap, and she still finished uh, when we ended up refinancing with $180,000. My typical client has $285,000 of debt. Um, so the debt load that physicians come out with, you think, yeah, maybe they're going to make two hundred or three hundred thousand. Sounds like an amazing salary, but then when you have that much or more in debt, um, you know, when you without kids, without a house, without any of it, um, it does make it a little more difficult. So, um, that's right. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to kind of clarify that as we 
um, from from your previous uh, comment. But you know, getting back to this, you know, what is the most difficult for you with respects to money? So, like you said, Ryan, um, it was amazing. As soon as uh, we finished and we were all excited because Allison got her first real check, and then as soon as she got that real check, then the government came, or the or the, the folks that uh, gave the loans during uh, medical school uh, came knocking on the door, like, hey. You now, we now need to do income-based repayment. And then they showed us the, the big old crazy four-digit number that they wanted us to pay. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was intense. That, that was crazy. But, but something that's kind of been the most difficult, I did not come from a background of knowing a lot about finances. I didn't come from a background of very good money management. So literally from childhood, my whole family, I was raised with the mindset of out of sight, out of mind. Allison mm. used to joke with me about, um, uh, you know, I would get letters and bills to the to the apartment. This is when we were living separate. And she's like, hey, Curtis, these envelopes are changing colors. That You know, that's a problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, hey, nobody's knocking on my door, so it's all right. But um, but so I br- I brought very bad money management habits into the uh, into the marriage, and uh, so for me it was very much out of sight, out of mind. We set up a lot of uh, bills on auto pay, and even though Alice and I have come up with various financial goals, a lot of times I don't go back and check in on those things because, like I said, out of sight, out of mind, and that's mm-hmm. that was one of the most difficult things for me to to begin to overcome. Yeah, and do, I'm just curious because you referenced it. Do you guys write down actual goals, or is it just kind of you you speak about goals and then? So I think I write out goals and I give them to CJ and sometimes he'll say, oh, I'll put that on the computer. I'll get to it. And (laughs) it may or may not occur depending on what else is going on in life at that time. Gotcha. So, so Ryan, something we did learn, we were actually just listening to the conversation between you and Elle on uh, the Financial Residency Podcast. Mm. And I was telling her, hey, dear, yesterday when we were driving to the zoo, we had a money date. You didn't even know this, and I didn't invite you to it, but we actually had a money date where we were talking about our goals. And for the first time, unlike what we used to do, where we would pull out the computer and the spreadsheets and, and start going through the numbers and crunching them, I'm like, hey, dear, I'm going to pay bills right here in front of you. Let's let's talk. We actually talked about our dreams and our goals and what we um, actually are trying to accomplish. So, hey, maybe we can look at some areas where we can make some sacrifices and change some of our money habits because now we know what we're trying to work towards. That's beautiful. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work. And, you know, Elle does an amazing job with, uh, you know, describing the, the money date. And, um, you know, so for those listening, maybe Elle can put it in the uh, show notes for, for everyone to go back and listen to. But, uh, and, you know, then I kind of coined the phrase, you know, financially frisky uh, with your spouse. So uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully that wasn't happening as you guys were getting, you know, driving to the zoo. But, uh, you know, I think that's amazing. You guys are, are chatting on that. And it kind of brings me to the next question here that I have is, you know, now that money is starting to come in and I know that it, at the beginning, it's kind of a shock, um, you know, of, you know, bills get increased and student loans kind of come in and you're, you're going, uh-oh. Um, but as, money has started to come in and, you know, what are some of the things that maybe you have started to implement or change, um, in the last few years? Um, so we, we say that we've started and I'm making air quotes, um, living life. You know, we Mm kind of held off on doing a lot of things, you know, obviously in medical school and residency, we didn't have the time and we didn't have the money, but we bought our first house. Once I graduated, we had two kids at the time, ended up with a third. We've bought two cars since I've graduated. We now take regular vacations and this is not just to see the grandparents, but you know, we actually go to the Caribbean, you know, we're going to Hawaii in a few weeks. Um, so we've actually just started doing things and enjoying our life. Not just, you know, I always say, life is for living, not just for working and, you know, 
running, doing schedules. So that's what we've been really doing is trying to enjoy ourselves and enjoy living our life. And Curtis, kind of, you know, do you want to chime in a little bit on that? Yeah, along those same lines, we we learned, and I don't know if anybody necessarily used the phrase while she was, um, you know, in school and studying and everything, but it was the whole idea of delayed gratification. And some of it was... um, during those during those times, we like she said, we didn't have the time and we didn't have the money. Now that we now that we do, um, we've just really been trying to focus on how can we still be fiscally responsible, but also, like you say, get financially frisky and enjoy um, some of the things that the fruits of those labor. You know, mm-hmm. all that time that she's that she has been working hard, and both of us have uh, been working hard and putting into setting ourselves up. How can we um, enjoy that, but also still keep our our financial goals in sight? Yeah. And, and, and that's something that's extremely common with, with physicians and, and maybe a little bit with uh, other high income earning uh, professionals like attorneys and things. You go through so much school, uh, but physicians especially you have so much training after. Um, I remember my wife, you know, every fourth night was sleeping in the hospital. You know, every I'd have a wife for three nights and then not on the fourth kind of thing. And um, it's, a, it's a tough thing because you can't plan, you can't do anything. And so as you finish, um, you know, it is important to make sure that, you know, you're having conversations around what your ideal life would look like, what would make you happy. And, um, you know, Curtis, I know we had, we chatted previously on, um, you know, is, is getting the kids involved. So I know you have three girls, um, and, and two of them are quite young, but, uh, your oldest, you know, is probably at the time that, you know, you can start chatting with her and having more, uh, real money conversations. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of curious, like I know you had, uh, you'd said now you're, you, you've, you had a, you know, a date on the way to the zoo talking to money date, <laughs> uh, but how do conversations usually end up, uh, happening or, you know, around money in your house? Um, so we, we have a goal, like I said, I do get paid monthly. So the goal was always once a month to check in with each other, um, talk about the bills, our budget, what are we doing going forth? Kind of what is the next mm-hmm you know, phase of our life look like. Unfortunately, though, like you said, with three kids and our kids are nine, five and almost three, um, life gets in the way and we don't always get those. It seems to be probably more quarterly um, Mm. regarding as far as budgeting and bills. And are we on on um, on goal for hitting the things that we've talked about in the past? You know, as far as day to day, I mean, you know, we buy the things we need, we do the things and then we kind of go from there. So that's typically how things go, although we're trying to get better about it. You know, and, and Ryan, it's interesting, too, when you talk about how to involve the kids in these conversations. Uh, let, let me just give you a great example of how our kids have have no understanding of, of money. I, I remember our oldest um, uh, was at church one time and they were taking uh, offerings. And so and she has a, such a big heart for other people. She had uh, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, maybe a dollar or five dollar bill in her in her purse to, to give out. And because her friend didn't have one, she was like she ripped it in half and said, here, here you go. Here's <laughs> you can. Yeah, you can give this. And of course, everybody understood the, 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 the heart of it. And that was amazing. And it was so great. But it's like, oh, that's no longer valid. You can't use that money. <laughs> oh, hey, it's the thought that counts. It is the thought. So we have, that's been one of the interesting things. Uh, you know, our kids definitely kind of see the difference in the lifestyle. Um, and so they feel like anything that pops up on TV, anything they see in the store, mommy, daddy, give me this. I want that. I want this. And so it has been interesting. And like you said, you and I had this conversation on our podcast episode that now, especially with the nine-year-old, but but really with all three girls, we're trying to tie 
um, reward with work. We're trying to tie, um, what, do, what do we always say, choices and consequences. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that that money just doesn't come from anywhere. We work hard. We tell them the story. They see, you know, uh, uh, mom, uh, like since she works nights, a lot of times during the weekend when she's at home asleep, they see that she's sleeping because she has to go in to work hard. So we're trying to help them to understand that we do have to be financially responsible and what that can look like, not only for us, but also for them. Yeah, that's great. So, Curtis, I, I, I think this will be fun. Uh, so I'm going to turn the tables here, and I'm going to let you kind of ask any question that you, uh, you'd like to ask or get answered um, with respects to money. I think it'd be fun to flip the table here since I've been asking you guys so many questions. Yeah. Um, you want me to take this one? Well, so, Ryan, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, man. You, uh, you have been such a, um, I don't even say angel, lifesaver, breath of fresh air when it comes to angel, understanding like finances. That. <laughs> a financial angel, right? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> angel advisor, angel investor. <laughs> we, um, you no, know, but but I say that because you and I have been able to have some conversations about finances to really help me to understand kind of the, the best ways for that management. So thank you for that and being and being yeah, making yourself available as a resource. Of course. So one of the questions I've had, I've always been curious: is it um is it actually possible to save for retirement while paying off this huge uh, student debt uh, load that we have? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I, I, I tend to get asked that one a lot, and uh, hopefully it resonates uh, with some of the listeners here as they're thinking it. It's actually not physician-specific, but um, you know, we had talked about the student debt uh, and how um, you know, large that can become for physicians. So it might be a little harder to, to relate for others with that, but it, it really is a, a massive debt load. Um, but I believe that you can definitely do both. Um, you know, looking at it, there's, there's a couple ways. And, um, you know, let me, I think the best way to answer this would be, yes, you can do both. Um, it does take some discipline and dedication. Um, and you wouldn't just pick one over the other. It's going to be basically a combination of both. So uh, okay. as let's say Allison's working and her employer says, Hey, Allison, we're going to match in your 401k or four through B depending on where she works. Um, right. we're going to give you a match. And it's going to be, you know, X percent on X amount of contribution. That is basically a hundred percent return on your money. It's basically like leaving part of your salary, if you will, on the table. So you're definitely going to want to contribute to get that match. Okay. Then I would look at it as if you have high interest debt, like credit card debt or a personal loan. Um, you know, I've, I've, I know that we've, we've chatted on some other stuff, but typically when I see someone that has um, some credit card debt or a personal loan and it's, you know, above, you know, credit cards are close to 20% sometimes even higher. <laughs> right. um, there's, there's companies out there uh, that will lend to you uh, to consolidate that debt at a much lower percentage. Now it might be seven, eight, nine percent depending on your credit history and income right. and things like that. Um, but I would be focusing on paying off all of that uh, first uh, and then coming back to basically your retirement accounts and this would be, you know, filling out the 401k. Uh, this would be IRAs. This would be HSAs. Um, and going with basically assets that are expected to have high returns. So you can think of as like the stock market. Uh, right. And then I would be more inclined to turn around and pay off moderate um, interest rates uh, debt on, on that. So like anywhere between, let's say, four and a half and up to 7%. Um, mm, I would okay. be, I would be basically going after that. Um, and so you're kind of tearing down and you're kind of getting it together. So, um, you know, when my wife finished with 
student debt, her average uh, return or weighted average was close to 7% um, based on when she had borrowed. Uh, When we refinanced, we refinanced at an extremely low rate. It was like 3%. And (laughs) it went from a must pay off to, oh, we're going to pay that off later. And I'm going to turn around and invest the difference. Um, Instead of allocating more money, I'm just going to pay the minimum, invest the difference and hope that over time my returns are high enough uh, that could turn around and help pay down the student debt more aggressively. So um, that's kind of a cascading, like super high level, um, you know, from a general standpoint, uh, again, you know, I don't know the listeners and, and where their situation is. So don't take that as uh, gospel. Uh, you know, there's my, <laughs> there's my financial advisor, like disclaimer, right? Right. Uh, but, but hopefully that, that helps you. And, uh, you know, we can always chat more offline here, um, on that if you, if you have more questions. Well, no, that that's great. I appreciate you um, sharing that because, you know, one of the things we first talked about, especially when she for, uh, first uh, came out of residency and started, like you said, getting the getting the big checks, but also the big debt started coming in or those mm-hmm. big uh, bills started coming in. We were just trying to f- uh, figure out, like, maybe if we take a few years and don't put anything into retirement, maybe if we don't worry about those pre-tax buckets and so on and so forth, then that just gives us more money to put into um, knocking away at, at credit card debt or student debt and so on and so forth. And now you fast forward five years later and it's like, oh. We're still working on a lot of these different debts. So you know what? Maybe we should start <laughs> thinking yeah. about uh, socking some of that money away for retirement. So I, I like the fact that you mentioned you can uh, kind of do both and at different levels throughout the throughout time. Yeah. And it's you're looking at kind of expected returns versus like, you know, what your actual like guaranteed interest rate is, right? You've locked it in. It's a fixed rate. You know, it's a set amount. You know what it is. If it's, you know, 10%, 12, 15, 20% on a credit card, you know, can you refinance it down? And, and get it lower. Uh, obviously, the credit card debt was there for a reason. Can you stop basically the the potentially bad habits of right. getting into that? Um, you know, so you don't end up back in the same spot. And then exactly. you know, maxing out uh, you know investments and things like that because expected return is higher than you know, let's say the three percent interest rate on your student loans that you refinanced. Um, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like you're looking at expected returns versus interest, and how does that? Um, necessarily play out. Some people are really debt adverse. They're like, I just need to get this done. Some people and physicians tend to be in this crowd of I've taken on so much. Why? Let's just add a house and a car and everything else. Cause I have it. It's not going away. Um, so I tend to see more of that side than, than the debt adverse side. But, um, so I want to switch it just, you know, to finish this kind of rounding out the, the interview here is, Allison, you know, from a physician standpoint, I'm, I'm always really curious on this. What are one or two things that you wish you could tell your patients, whether it's about yourself or just being a physician in general, that you're really never able to, uh, you know, maybe discuss when they're in the ER, well, especially in the ER? Well, I mean... I just say, you know, as physicians, we're normal people, you know, we're normal people with specialized knowledge and a specialized skill set, and we will find you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. Um, you know, I, I tell people, you know, I went into medicine because I care about people. I don't drive a fancy car. I drive a Hyundai Elantra, you know, I don't go golfing. I don't do all these things. So I'm not doing tests to try to get your money. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, I never go to doctors. I hate doctors. And I'm like, why? I'd never met you before. I'm, I'm a nice person, <laughs> exactly. you know? So 
we're normal people. Talk to us like we're normal, you know, speak to us like we're normal. Like CJ says, you know, the people who come looking for specific drugs, you know, no, I don't give antibiotics for viruses because, you know, I don't want you to have adverse effects, you know, where we care about our patients. And that's why we went into this, not because we're looking to be these rich people. Like you said, I'm in so much debt just being a doctor in general that it's not because I'm looking to, you know, do something big. You know, a lot of people say, oh, my my OB did a hysterectomy on me because his wife needed a new fur coat. And I just kind of look at people like, do you really think that that's what doctors do? No, we do stuff to help you. But, you know, like I said, we're just there trying to help people, trying to save lives, you know, kick butt, take names. I'm just kidding. No, exactly. So, so yeah, that's what I'd say is just we're normal. You know, we care about people. We want to take care of people. Treat us as such. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and, you know, I see that on the flip side. Granted, my wife works with a lot of kids, but it's the parents that end up, uh, you know, sometimes she takes some verbal abuse and it's, you know, it's not oh, yeah. not really needed. It's one of those like we're trying, you know, she, as she says, you know, we're trying to help. We're trying to do the best thing. And I can tell you, like physicians do not get into medicine for the money because you have such a delayed um, start. You know, most people get out of work or get out of college at 22, 23, and you mm-hmm. start working and you're able to actually save money if you're doing it correctly, right from the start at 22 years old, most physicians get out and they're not saving. And these are ones that like maybe a little specialty, but not a crazy one, like some surgeons, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, interventional cardiologists where they're in <laughs> school for like, I don't know, two more decades, it feels like, uh, exactly. you know, but they're not starting until they're in their early thirties or mid thirties. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, 10 years of earning potential and savings that they just don't have that they need to be compensated for. And it still takes them a long time with the debt load and everything. So I really appreciate, Allison, you um, you, you saying that. And Curtis, to to round it out here, can you let everyone know um, a little bit about the Dads Married to Doctors group and, and, you know, the movement you've really kind of started there? Yeah, most definitely, uh, Ryan. I appreciate you and Elle giving us this opportunity. And before I talk about DMD, let me just uh, thank you both. Um, for what you've brought to the table. I've been listening to uh, some of the Couple Money uh, podcasts as well as some of your uh, financial residency uh, episodes and just the idea of having a forum to learn about better money management uh, habits, breaking bad habits, getting out of those cycles. Like you said, especially being in a um, being in this physician uh, cycle and physician family, you get so used to having debt and you get so used to just taking on mm-hmm. um um, high debt loads and so on and so forth that it's like, oh yeah, sure. We'll just go ahead and put on another credit card. And, and that's a lot to change and break out of. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, the dad's married to doctors group, uh, is just a support community. It's literally as simple as that. I started up the community uh, almost four years ago because when I was going through, uh, with my wife through medical school, through residency, being a dad married to an aspiring physician and now a current physician, there was a lot on uh, on my shoulders. There was a lot on her shoulders too. And there, you know, my normal normal friends, my friends that weren't in a physician uh, household didn't always understand when I would show up to um, events and say, oh yeah, my wife can't make it. You know, she's been in the hospital, you know, for like the last two days and now she's getting a little bit of sleep. They're like, oh, she can't come out and see us for a little bit. Um, you know, and they mm-hmm. didn't understand. Or when I say, hey, I'm going to be the, I, I'd go to the daycare and say, hey, y'all call me whenever there's an issue if I need to come pick up the kids call me they're they're sitting there calling my wife while she's sleeping and I was like no no no, you need to call me I'm the primary caregiver so so a lot of society didn't understand what that looked like being a dad married to a physician so started up the group so that I could find a a, a tribe if you will a a group of like-minded guys that understood 
um, what this, what we call the DMD lifestyle is all about. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah, I man. love it. So and I, I love being a part of it. And I appreciate uh, everything you're doing for, for all of us that are, are married to physicians. So thank you so much guys for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and hopefully Allison, you're uh, you can go get some sleep now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I will definitely try to do that. Thanks for having us uh, Ryan and L. Special thanks to everybody who was involved in this episode. I really appreciate the help. And if you want to hear more from Ryan, please check out his podcast, The Financial Residency. Or if you're in that situation, you're a physician family, and you want some help with your finances, please reach out to Ryan at Physician Wealth Services. He's a great guy, fantastic financial planner, and he puts his clients first. And also, if you are in the physician community and want some support, maybe bounce ideas with other people, please check out Curtis's community. It's called Dad's Married to Doctors. They have a Facebook group. It's very supportive. I think you'll enjoy it. Don't worry, I'll include everything in the show notes. And if you want to stay on top of everything, the podcast, videos, articles, make sure you're subscribed to the community. I send out weekly updates on Fridays with everything we release, as well as some behind the scene and exclusive stuff. Plus, it's free. Just head over to couplemoney.com slash join. Our theme song was written and performed by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere. And if you're interested in catching some behind the scenes stuff or want to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram at couplemoney. And finally, I want to say thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate you guys sharing your favorite episodes on social media. It helps get the word out on how money doesn't have to be a wedge in your marriage, but something that you guys can work on together. I hope you have a great week. Take care.